know, he had a choice right there. He could go and cry himself to sleep on his millions of francs, as it was back then, and just ignore it. Or he could change his legacy. And he spent the next decade and a big chunk of his personal fortune putting together a charitable trust which still perpetuates to this day where every year they recognize the very best in human achievement. So when I say the, the, the name of Alfred Nobel, you don't think of the Merchant of Death, you think of the Nobel Prize, which has now gone on to recognize literature and science and mathematics and peace. Mm. And it was because that guy sat having a coffee, decided that, no, 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 that's not how um, I'm, I'm going to let the world remember me. And it was that conscious choice where he was mm. like, no, I'm not having it. And And... Those are the kind of stories I tell. That was Greg Davis, the Storyfeller, and this is the Travelling Optimist podcast with Steve Odie. Hey everyone, I hope you're all great at making progress with life. Uh, I mentioned in a previous show that the world's gone a bit bananas of late. Nothing has changed on that front, unfortunately, but I hope that behind some of the chaos you've had some wins as well. I've been really looking forward to having a catch up with our guest today. He's known as the Storyfeller. He uses his passion for telling stories to help businesses and communities thrive and people overcome limiting beliefs. He's a multi-award winning director of BNI, a corporate trainer, an international speaker, and now he can add best-selling author to that list as well. Let's give a huge travelling optimist welcome to Greg Davies. Yay! Welcome, Thanks Greg. so much, Steve. Um, at, at this juncture, I'd like to add that I'm not the six-foot-eight comedian that you often find on Dave. I'm the five-foot-eight, slightly overweight guy that never gets paid for telling a joke <laughs> in his life. So, um, I think, I think I, in fairness to your subscribers and your listeners, that, that we really do need to make that point because I'm just not as funny. I did, um, well, that's, I think that's your own personal opinion, <laughs> and um, I need to work on your own uh, limiting beliefs on that one, mate, because I actually think you're quite funny. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> looking or, or just uh, literally? So. No, I think you have a uh, – I could be rude, but I'm not going to be, uh, because I know we, have, we always have good banter, but I think that, um, you know, you are actually really a very genuinely funny person, and um, whenever I've seen you speak, I've, you've, you've, you've had me in stitches. Thank you very much. Well, it's bad puns and dad jokes. I've made a career on it. I'm waving my arm around so, as well. So uh, if you wave your arms around at the front of the room, people tend to pay attention. And, yeah, uh, uh, no, yeah, absolutely. No, I totally get, get that. Away with it. I mentioned in the, uh, in the, in the, that massive builder for, for you there that you're, a, you're now a best-selling author. And did you did you did you mean to lean into the mic when you said best selling author? Was that to get some gravitas to your tone? <laughs> yes, um, it's, it's amazing. I'm going to have to do that. <laughs> so tell me about this book because all of a sudden, you know, I, I, I see on all my social media feeds that um, you've written a book, and yep. I ordered the book and I've read the book, and it's a really really good book. Everybody, now the book is called Infinite Giving. The Seven Principles of Giver's Gain. Uh, you co-wrote it with Ivan Meisner and Julian Lewis, but yep. let's not mention them. We'll, <laughs> well, just we say that you, we'll just say that you wrote it. That's brilliant. Yeah, let's, let, let's say that because they're definitely never going to listen to this stuff. They're far too important. So, Absolutely. So um, what was the inspiration for the book? Well, the, uh, the networking event in question that you and I met at, it's, uh, it's an organisation that's been around for 35 plus years, and it was founded by... Dr. Ivan Meissner, one of the co-authors. Mm. And the main philosophy of the organization is giver's gain. It's kind of this, this uh, transcendent force that if I give you business, you're going to go out and find me business in return. 
But over the 35 years, the the idea of it has uh, some people have, have, have broken it down into into almost like a transactional thing. It's like I'm going to give something to you, and then I'm mm-hmm. going to kind of wait around uh, and expect something back in return. Yeah. And uh, Julian and I were both uh, franchise owners for the organisation in the UK, and we were given the honour of closing a national conference in 2019 with the subject of speaking about Givers Gain. And we were fed up of seeing really good people coming come into the organisation, not realising that Givers Gain is two words. So, you know, it is okay to gain. And they were just, they, they were expelling tons of energy and, and they were like fireworks. They were burning really brightly, really you know, shone their light everywhere, but then they burnt out. Mm. So we broke the philosophy down into seven principles of, of Giver's Gain. And if you apply those principles, um, the uh, you hit infinite giving. So yeah. um, um, the feedback about the book has been absolutely wonderful. We've had people that have nothing to do with uh, business networking, uh, look applying it in their own life. Uh, and getting really wonderful, tangible results. And it, it, you know, one of the, one of the principles that kind of hit me today when I was prepping, uh, cause I do do prep. I don't do everything off the cuff, you know, Steve, <laughs> um, was, uh, our principle number seven, which was show gratitude. And I know this, you know, your whole podcast series is, is series is about, um, uh, positive attitudes and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. uh, there's some real proper science there is. behind the, uh, the, uh, gratitude effect. And, um, we did the presentation. Part of the presentation was we had Ivan Skyping in, or it looked like he was Skyping in. And, yeah. and um, you know me, I'm a bit of a cheeky fellow. As we were arranging those calls with him, I said, hey, I think, you know, I think there's a book here. We've got seven principles. We can do a beginning and an end and a bit of an origin story. Yeah. Fancy writing a book. And I remember his exact words. It's a phrase I've never heard before, never heard since. It was colour me cooperative. Basically means I'm in. Hmm. So Three uh, three weeks before lockdown, we did a, a three day trip out to his house in Austin, Texas. I drove a convertible Mustang in Texas when it was raining and eight degrees. Um, it was the most, <laughs> you know, pointless use of a convertible Mustang, uh, and I'm only short. So when when we went up a hill, I actually couldn't see over the bonnet. So, um, but we flew out, we had a whirlwind trip, we completed the book and then we've, uh, we've managed to bring it to market during, uh, during the, this wonderful COVID period that we're going through at the moment. Oh, it's incredible. So it's, uh, it's been, it, it's been absolutely amazing and, and even more so you never really know until you put it out there, how it's going to be perceived. And mm. there's a lot of really good stories in there, but I spent a lot of time researching as did Julian, as did, uh, did Ivan and. It's been described as a business page turner, yeah. and that almost seems like a contradiction in terms, but it's deliberately short. It's only 20,000 words, and we've had people that have just consumed the book within yeah. a few hours because they just can't put it down. No, no, so no. we've been overwhelmed, absolutely overwhelmed. Well, you should be rightly proud, mate. I, uh, it's a really good book. It's a fantastic read, um, you know, and, and it's got some fantastic guidance for want of a better expression, really, I think, um, you know, with regards to that. Now, I'm all I'm all over gratitude. And that, uh, you mentioned that before. I think it's a mass. And I, I was speaking to um, a coach called Simon Jordan, who's a mm. brand. He's a brand marketing guy as well, but he's a he's a coach. And we were talking about gratitude and we were saying it's a massive unlock for people. Um, I don't know why. 
but it just is. It just, it right. just is. Uh, I can tell you why. It's because very it, people just don't get it in in day to day life. It's a bit like recognition. Mm. You know, when when you get a certificate or a medal, or you know, there's a great saying about recognition, which is babies cry for it and soldiers die for it. Um, and when you're out there in business, when was the last time where you were running your own business where, where someone just picked up the phone and said, mate, I just want to say well done for what you're doing. You've had a great day. Mm. You know, no, no one does it. And it's it's the same as, as, as gratitude. It's very rare that people actually take the time yeah. other than an off-the-cuff courtesy. Mm. And, and don't get me started on courtesies because I think common courtesy costs nothing but means so much mm. you know that that whole thank you for holding the door open or allowing people to pull out of the side ropes but the amount of people that just don't do it because they feel it's it, rather than, than being a, a strength of character character they think it's a flaw of character but when um when we talk about gratitude people just they don't experience it enough and i'm talking about you know once you've done a good job for someone or you've had had a good product or service mm. taking the time outside of normal conversation or outside of normal communication exchange mm. just to pick up the phone or pop in and say that just thanks for that i really appreciate it and it and it really puffs their chest out yeah that's the thing it shouldn't be a transactional it shouldn't yeah. be oh i'm going to do this because later down the line i'll need something it should just be thank you mm. and, I, yeah. and i've just spent a bit of time doing it as well i've just spent some time sending out some copies of the book to people that have impacted me over the last 15 or so years, including the first ever person who invited me to, uh, to BNI, the networking organization. Uh, yeah. Without him, none of this would have, would have happened to me. So I know. it's crazy, isn't it? Actually, it was, well, well BNI has had a massive effect. BNI has had a massive effect on thousands and thousands of people, you know, all over the world. And we were just talking about it off air a moment ago in terms of the fact that I'm I'm working with a really amazing guy called Doug Bennett at the moment, who I would never have met if it wouldn't have been for B&I. No, it's, it, it, it is crazy, the, the, the path. And I think 15 years ago when I stepped into a B&I room, I was a 26-27-year-old 20, guy in, in scruffy jeans and a, and a branded polo shirt. I ran a signage company. And if you, if you attract my my path mm. um yeah I, I would have called you absolutely insane but it's about building those relationships isn't it it's about uh, and doing what you need to do to maintain you and doug always had a great relationship you were always good friends you always had a laugh and a joke yeah uh, has, yeah. Doug, has doug still got a harley does he oh, still yeah. ride a oh, harley yeah 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 no he's got a fat boy it's amazing <laughs> so so he, he's totally embraced the midlife crisis as he's he's gone all the way Oh, completely, and gone out the other side. I mean, really and truly. In fairness, I bumped into Doug in um, um, Crawley Town Centre probably about a year ago. He's looking fantastically well. He's the only guy I've ever seen who gets younger with age. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, he's he's great, and it's great that you guys have teamed up, and it's wonderful that that happened mm. in a B&I room. I mean, mm. I've, I've got people in the region that have started and sold successful businesses. I've got husband and wife teams that have met through networking events and yeah. you know you, you see the course of people's lives so i've had young guys come in working for someone else they've set up their own business they're now you know supporting their family and supporting other people in the local community so it is it's just a wonderful thing to be around when it when it's done right and i think like everything <clears throat> if we explain why we do things people get it totally you know? there's a lot of rules around bni there's a lot of policies and procedures and 
And uh, one of the big misunderstandings is that it, we're some kind of networking police. Yeah. That stuff's there to help people build those relationships. And if you explain why we do stuff, people will take the how all day long. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. In fact, I was thinking about that earlier um, because part of my regeneration, if you like, my pivot into the world of finance, (laughs) there is that I've found out a few things about myself um, and compliance is high on my list of uh, priorities when if I'm looking from a, a work perspective okay which obviously fits the finance industry very well yes but, it does yeah um, I think this is probably why I enjoy B&I because I actually do I really like a bit of structure obviously we we've got the philosophy which is give us gain but we've also got a set of core values mm. and there are, uh, there are seven core values of which uh, give us gain is also one of those mm. uh, but another one of those is accountability mm. and um, that's what a system and a process does that's what that, that compliance is just another word for accountability isn't it you're accountable to you know your actions are accountable and trackable and traceable and uh, and that's what BNI does and and I'm sure you're the business coach you were talking uh talking to would agree it's the one big thing that that entrepreneurs lack is is that kind of accountability metric Mm. you know they come up with great ideas and they go off on tangents and they start new projects but actually to hit a deadline and to bring a project in on time and all that kind of stuff that's where they need the most help so yeah one of our core values is is accountability and uh yeah and or compliance as you say um you know you were talking about core values a minute ago and one thing that sort of resonated me in the book, and it, it was, and I'll, I'll just read a little bit of it out, out loud. It's only one very short sentence. And it was all about infinite giving. And, and at its basic level, it's about picking a core value that ultimately benefits others, shouting about it and sticking to it. And that yeah. really resonated with me. I love that. It's, uh, I th- I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember what story I put in just before that. I think it was that just was before the Tom's the Wall Street and, um, ah, yes. people losing money. And, 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 um, Jordan Belfort was saying about his, his greatest regret was losing people's money. So we, um, uh, we chopped up, uh, the chapters to write. And that was one of the ones that I initially wrote. And then we all kind of piled in and, uh, uh and edited them down and added stories. Mm. The biggest debate on on um, on that chapter was what words in the Wolf of Wall Street should be capitalised. Right. So we were we had a big debate <laughs> with a Harvard educated editor about which of those words should should be um, should be capitalised. But yeah, I mean, like we were we were kind of raised on, and I say it in the book that we, we mentioned it. We, we were raised on these 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 movies like um, like now is Wolf of Wall Street, but Boiler Room and Glengarry Glen Ross and mm. and Wall Street, you know, we're, we're we're told to get ahead in business. Yeah, you have to put your competition in the ground. You know, you have to take someone down, and for you to succeed, for you to get a sale, for you to get a contract, it means that someone else has to has to lose out. Mm. And they try to tell us that that's okay, and it's not. You know, the very best businesses in the world collaborate; they don't compete. Now they go out there and they look for synergetic relationships where the sum of the parts is, you know, the whole, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah. And, uh, and they can achieve more by working together. Mm. And, and what's been lovely about the last probably a decade might be a bit too long, but five to seven years, certainly people have 
are getting a real social conscience around the types of businesses that they want to deal with. So they want to know what your environmental policy is. They want to know what your moral policy is. You know, where, where, what label are you using? You know, where are your supplies coming from? What's happening to the waste and and uh, and uh, stuff after? You know, if if you're in food, is that going? Is that going to a to landfill or is it going to kind of freegan centres? All that kind of stuff. Mm. And if you have got a strong moral code, if you can hang your hat on something, so you know, you know, with you guys in the financial services, it could be. Um, ethical sustainable investments for example so you know things like bamboo forests and teaks things that constantly regrow and don't strip the environment you know those kind of you can have green portfolios and you'll have there is a increasingly growing sector of the market that is drawn to that morally uh, i don't want to say moral high ground because that makes it sound arrogant but kind of yeah. morally morally just it's all about doing the right thing yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, no, thanks for picking that one out. That is, uh... Those sorts of things I'm, I'm all over. I love that because, you know, actually what you find is that a lot of people don't really think about these core, their own core values. They don't think about, you know, what they're, what they're about really, you know. And I think the giver's gain philosophy and the ultimate infinite giving is a beautiful thing, actually. And if people were to embrace, more people were to embrace it, you know, the world would be a better place. The, apart from the gratitude, at, uh, subject we were the one that really stood out to me was give without expectation yeah yeah and and but i was thinking give without expectation but also it's also unconditional isn't it you're giving you're giving unconditional unconditionally yeah so you know it works best where there's no transactional expectation so you know i'm sure you've had it where you where where you've been invited around to dinner you've had a wonderful time and on the way home your partner says to you uh, well, we're going to have to have him back now. Wait, you know, when when can we have him back? And um, uh, and we uh, and we mentioned in the book, it, it, it's it's like matching. Mm. So it's like, oh, I've bought you a gift, so I expect a gift in return. And yeah. you know, you, you you sometimes see see siblings do it at Christmas. They kind of weigh up the value of their presents to make sure that you know. I don't know when I say you sometimes see kids do it. As a younger sibling, I used to do it. So, you know, on Boxing Day, the Argos catalogue used to come out and I used to make sure that the same value of presents was had by both me and my older brother. Yeah, and then, <laughs> but, there, but there is this kind of thing. There is this gift thing and, uh, and, and, um, and it can become transactional. But a gift, yeah. gift isn't a gift if we, if we expect something in return. No. It's a transaction. There's, there's three principles all in a row about giving of course they are give without expectation give more than expected and give what you can afford hmm. and they flow really nicely and uh, the the one the ones that aren't mutually um exclusive uh, give more than expected and give what you can afford hmm. we often see that uh, that people get confused by the first two so they're 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 giving and and we're not just talking about gifts and money we're talking about time you know, you've, you've seen those people that, that say yes to everything and they totally drain themselves. And there's a, a beautiful quote in the book, which is you should fill your uh, fill your cup until it overflows and give from your saucer. So you should. And essentially, it means you should maintain your own energy. And mm-hmm. we, we've all seen people that, that burn out because they just say yes to everything. So we, we need to respect our own our own giving abilities and, and, and the limits that, that we have. And 
that's okay. So you can still exceed expectations. You can still go above and, and beyond what people would expect to receive whilst respecting your, your own energy and without expecting anything back in return. Yeah. The beautiful thing about Giver's Gain, when it kicks in around the seven principles, because they're a bit like spokes on a wheel. If you try to do one, you know, you will just break. You need all seven working uh, working in, uh, in, in synergy with each yeah. other. But when you apply the seven principles with Giver's Gain, you get infinite giving. And that's uh, we, we kind of sum it up in a, in a little uh, equation in the book. But it's the idea that this becomes a transcendent force that just kind of keeps going. You know, mm. it's an infinite thing. It just keeps going. And, and what's wonderful about it is once you, once you pass it on and once people understand it, it is a bit like being positive. You know, it, yeah. you see the effect that, um, I mean, don't do this on the tube in London because no one smiles. But next time you're walking down the street in a normal place, smile at someone just you know just have a smile at the face not a creepy smile don't don't hold eye contact for too long but you'll find that they'll smile and they'll smile for the rest of the day for no apparent reason you know it's contagious and you put positivity out there and it perpetuates yeah totally. you, let, you let someone go uh, in the car they drive down the road they do the same you know, you hold the door for someone they'll do the same for the next person yeah uh, and unfortunately the adverse is true true you know negativity perpetuates as well Mm. um and we just need to make sure that there are more people doing positive acts of kindness out there than there are negative acts i love that i also love that transcendent force the past sort of few months is has been quite reflective um it's been a, a reflective part of my life actually and um that's one of the reasons why i started the podcast the optimism for me is I get quite emotional, actually. Uh, optimism for me is is my primary life force, really. I, if I lost yeah. my optimism, I, I don't know what I'd do. I really don't. And and it's the one thing that's kind of helped me get through um, some difficult challenges. And I just wondered, has optimism has optimism played um, a role in your life? Yeah, so um, you were very kind to to kind of give me a heads up of some of the questions, and and, and that was one that made me made me stop and think. And um, you know, I, I always remember being a happy child. I I always had a pretty sharp sense of humour. Um, I, I remember kind of doing almost like a joke war with my dad in the car about you know, silly puns and stuff. And and I thought mine were really funny, but looking back at it, I bet you know, as a seven year old boy, I bet they were absolutely awful. But I do remember many times in my life where I where I've chosen in in really tough situations to reflect on the positive aspects. Mm-hmm. And I think above all else, you said you you don't want to lose your positivity. I think it's a choice. I think every day we all have we have things that happen to us, and we choose how mm-hmm. to react to them. And you know, th- this is not the this is an upbeat podcast and, and uh, I certainly don't want to bring the tone down, but, but the big example I've got was when I delivered the eulogy at my mum's funeral. Um, and uh, I lost my mum when I was 27. She um, uh, had a five-year battle with cancer, which uh, ultimately she lost. Mm. And I could have done the life's unfair, she's been taken too soon and all of that kind of rhetoric. Mm. I chose to do, and it was a choice, was 
reflect on the fact that she had fought for five years and all of the wonderful things that had happened in those five years. So she had seen um, one of her sons get married and she had met her first grandchild mm. and uh, she had seen one of her other sons uh, get engaged and start and be involved in the planning of the wedding. You know, all of these things that she wouldn't have experienced if five years ago she was hit by a bus, for example. And it is that choice. And it, yeah, of course, it was incredibly sad and it was, um, you know, incredibly emotional for me. But I am, I'm of the opinion that you always have a choice. In every situation, you have a choice of how you react to it. Mm. Uh, you can either react positively and, yeah. and, and I'll be, and I'm not talking about naive. You know, there are people out there like you, Steve, you know, who have had to, had to massively change their life to continue just continue their their way of life mm. so you know it's not naive walking around with your head in your cloud saying oh everything's all right you know there's no suffering in the world however if you look you can find positives in every situation and they may be small you know they may be the smallest smallest amount of positives but by focusing on them first yeah. it will carry you through any of the negative stuff and and I think for me that's always been my my kind of core philosophy. And I'm not saying that I don't have I don't have days where you know the one positive I can find is the fact that you know the the sun's out or the <laughs> I, I've had one good email out of a thousand bad ones. You know there are tough days, but yeah, there are yeah. always positives. I suppose sometimes for us we are very lucky. We're talking about first world problems, aren't we? You know I'm sat in. Uh, I've got a, a boom mic and a ring light in front of a, a MacBook computer in the middle of Bromley. Our problems are very much first world problems. You know, we didn't have to walk seven miles to get water this morning. So, you know, but I've often found that if a problem is a problem to you, it's a major problem. However, there are, there are ways that we can choose to deal with those kind of things. And I've, I think the, the more I, more I thought about your question, the more I've just naturally reflected on the positive stuff that's happened in this situation rather than focusing on the negative yeah absolutely and i think also <laughs> there is an element of me sort of saying to myself well actually i normally gravitate towards people that have got a similar or like-minded if you see what i mean so yeah I, and and that's that's true of ev everybody does that really so yeah you know when I first met you, you know, we, we had a connection and I absolutely believe it's because of the sort of optimism and the, and the positivity that, um, and that sort of that energy that, that, um, that you give, that you give off, which, you know, attracts people to you and, um, and like, and, and vice versa. Um, I think people, people want to be around smiley, happy people. And as I said, I'm not talking about kind of naively smiley, happy, but, you know, I, I pay people genuine compliments. So yeah. if I see, if I notice that someone's hair is different uh, and I like it, these aren't, you know, these, these aren't superficial. <laughs> if I like their hair, I'll say, Hey, yeah, it looks really good. Absolutely. So when you, when you took over the, the BNI region, uh, the, the, is it Southeast? Yeah. Uh, London Southeast. Yeah. London Southeast. Okay. So yeah. when you, when you, you, you took over that, what, what were the challenges that you faced then? And, and, and what have you done to, raise the bar and, and make it successful so um 
the weird thing was is it is it it had been used as a bit of a personal football for a few years so the pe- people who had managed it before were using it as a stepping stone for their own business mm. so they were using it as a as an ego boost as a status um and i came into the region and and i i had and still have some amazing members just some wonderful wonderful people who had real pride in their business community but they they were embarrassed of the organization so they they would say so i've got a chapter called churchill for example so they would refer to themselves as churchill but whenever they whenever they put out any kind of marketing stuff the word bni wasn't on it mm-hmm. because they were really proud of their group but they they weren't proud of bni so all i all i started doing um and uh, it, it, it's just not being an idiot. So if I ask people to do do something, I'd explain why first. So it'd be like, hey, we want a load of visitors in the room. Why do we want visitors in the room? Well, there's all these reasons here. Yeah. Um, and, and they're all focused on you and your business. You know, and we've got tangible results. We've got this, that, and the other. We want bigger chapters. Why do we want... So chapters is just for the word we use for the business groups. Um, you know, we want we want bigger ones. Why? Well, here's a load of stats from all around the world that shows bigger chapters pass more business. So I'd put the why in there first. I was always open. Being I uh, in our region had always been quite insular. So I went out and did charity events. I hosted business awards. I've just uh, just done the first ever virtual Orpies, which is the Orpington First Business Awards. Um, and I do that year in, year out. I've done that for five years now. We supported... Uh, I said local charities, local business exhibitions. Um, we were a very open, open shop. You know, we wanted people, whether they had, whether they could join the chapter or not, we just wanted to meet them. Yeah. Um, and slowly over time, that's permeated through. And, it, it, you know, it's like some people uh, refer to turning around a region as turning an oil tanker. Mm. So, you know, an oil tanker will want to turn around and then, five miles later it will start turning but it's actually worse than that it's like turning a an armada of small ships because bni is made up of independent independent businesses none of them work for you they're they're all there to generate business for their own uh for their own company so to get them all to turn in tangent you have to kind of communicate with each one and there's always going to be a rogue one going in one direction or crashing into someone else so it really does take a bit of effort, and that's where storytelling comes in. Yeah, because you know, you imagine on you give an entrepreneur a system, and they'll look at the system and try to reinvent it because that's what the entrepreneurial spirit is. Mm. You know, it's like, can I change this? Can I make it better? Can I make it worse? But just just to change it. Um, so by telling stories, you get to influence people that that otherwise wouldn't be told what to do and that's that's quite a hard term told what to do but if you imagine if if all the guys in my organization worked directly for me i could issue a company mandate and then everyone would have to do it you know that is a tell but with a story you can influence people it then becomes their idea they champion the idea um, and then all of a sudden you have movement in the right direction so that's where that's where the the whole story things have, have hit hard with me you know, and it came, the reason I'm successful at this is because I've been so bad at it in the past. So, you know, I've made pretty much every mistake. Um, and it was a Meridian chapter that gave me my biggest ever kicking. And that's how I still describe it to this day. And it was because I sent out an email and I wrote the email how I speak. 
So I wrote this email. There were some jokes in there. I'd just been to a meeting with them and I mirrored some of the jokes that were in the email. And what I now realize is that people will read a flat correspondence like an email or a text in the way that they're feeling. So there were a few people that were feeling a bit uncertain. There were a few people who didn't really know me and weren't at the meeting. And they read it. They were having a bad day and they read it in the way that they wanted to read it. And I had such fallout from that 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 it, it became my biggest learning experience. So wherever you can speak to someone, you know, don't send a text, <laughs> don't send an email, you know, pick up a phone so they can hear the tone of your voice or even better, see them face to face so they can see that you're smiling when you say something. 100%. And, um, a lot of stuff that I've done in my region is because I've been really bad in the past. So in Sussex, we had quite a low average chapter size. At one point, it was down at 16, 17 members. In my new region, we've got the highest average chapter size in the UK. And we've done that not because vanity. The number is vanity. You know, if I want to brag about it, I can do. But it's because we know that larger chapters pass more business. Mm. And we've still got a lot of work to do. You know, we've still got some business communities in my region that, that aren't where they should be. But mm. we're on we're on the right way and people understand why they should. Mm. In the past, I think we've all been guilty of just saying, oh, you need to do this. Well, why do I need to do that? Oh, yeah. because you do. I started by being open and honest. And there isn't a question that anyone will ask me in an open forum so I would stand in front of a room uh, right at the beginning with a flip chart and any question that anyone asked, I would write down and I, and, and here was my mandate. I'll give you an open and honest answer. It may not be the answer that you want, but it will be an open and uh, it will be an open and honest answer. And I won, won some really good allies there because they, they could see that you know, the reason I'm so passionate about BNI is because it helped me through that probably the darkest period of my life where when when I lost my mum and it was BNI members that, that kind of picked me up mm. because my family were hurting and my friends were hurting and it was it was the members that rallied around me uh, and I went on to be you know the president we grew a really large group I then launched some groups and supported some others and ultimately every day I want to repay that kindness that, that strangers mm. showed me I mean you know essentially we, we were a breakfast business club but yeah, yet there were yeah. people that would phone me out of the blue to make sure I was okay. They'd turn up at my work, tap on the door and go, oh, I you might need a coffee. You know, I bought some donuts. You know, that's that's the kind of stuff that, that I, that I want to repay day in, day out. So when you're, when you're sort of jetting around the world and speaking to all these B&I communities around the world, what, what sort of stories do you, do you tell them? So uh, weirdly, the, um, the, there's a bit of a, a, an unwritten law in storytelling that you should never be, never be the hero of your own story. No. If you're telling so because it sounds like you're bragging. But actually, the, the story that I told in front of the biggest audience was, was the one that I've kind of skirted upon now. And it's up on, it, it's, uh, it's up on YouTube and, and you can see it. But, but it was about the story of support that I got from, from my chapters when when my mum passed away however no one knew it was me until the last 30 seconds of the speech so um i was able to tell a story about this wonderful community that rallied around this young guy that was lost and how they pulled him through and only at the end did they realize it was me so i so that's probably the one that that uh, i get uh, referred to uh, people refer to me about the most but it was because there was that twist at the end and people love a story with a twist yeah UK and Ireland have just done their first online 
conference as 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 the whole world is having to go online uh, and uh, i had the honor of opening it and uh, one of my favorite stories uh, i was able to get into my presentation which was one about leaving a legacy and about the fact that it doesn't matter what your legacy is now you, you can do something about it so you might have listeners on here that think you know i, I really want to be positive but i just don't know where to start and the thing is the best way to start is just to start you know, it's the skill to do is in the doing. It's one of my favorite, uh, you know, favorite sayings that if you want to be positive, start being positive, start with something small, you know, offer to carry someone's bags down, down some stairs or hold the door or say thank you or, or phone that person who did something for you 10 years ago that really impacted and just say, look, I just want to check in and see how you were and say thank you to you. You know, just start. But the story, I, I, I tell, tell the story of this 19th, um, 19th century millionaire. So, uh, millionaire in the, in the 1800s, so would be a billionaire today. And he sat in Paris reading a newspaper and he comes across his own obituary. But essentially it ends up being the obituary of his, of his brother, not him. But it's the headline that absolutely decimates him because he's, he's invented this product, which has saved thousands of lives. But the headline is the merchant of death is dead, and uh, but the headline's in French, and I'm not gonna I'm not even gonna attempt the French. <laughs> um, and what what's happened is that the person who, who who the product that's been invented has saved thousands of lives in the mining industry, but the military's got hold of it and it's killed millions upon millions on the battlefield. And this person had invented TNT, and they invented it because they were sick and tired of their family and friends being killed in their mining village through mine collapse mm. so they went off got, uh, got a chemistry degree worked out um, how to make tnt so you could blast rock from a rock face wait until it was safe and come come back in and remove the rock but all he was remembered for was killing all these people on the battlefield so he so he had a choice you know he had a choice right there he could go and cry himself to sleep on his millions of francs as it was back then and just ignore it or he could change his legacy and he spent the next decade and a big chunk of his personal fortune putting together a charitable trust, which still perpetuates to this day, where every year they recognize the very best in human achievement. So when I say the, the, the name of Alfred Nobel, you don't think of the Merchant of Death, you think of the Nobel Prize, which has now gone on to recognize literature and science and mathematics and peace. Mm. And it was because that guy sat having a coffee, decided that no, no, no. That's not how um, I'm, I'm going to let the world remember me. And it was that conscious choice where he was like, no, I'm not having it. And, and those are the kind of stories that I tell because there, there'll be people in business that, that aren't happy with the way that their business is perceived. There'll be in people in business that have, you know, could have given a refund maybe, but didn't, you know, they were able to get out of it or they could have, they could have helped the member of staff or they could have employed more people or, or, or they could have ethically sourced some, some stuff and, and and that's the stuff that keeps you up at night mm. you know if you if you wonder why you don't sleep at night it's it's not one big thing it, it's a succession of little things yeah yeah and i tell the stories that, that allow people to uh live the life that they want to lead um but allow them to come to the conclusions mm. um that, that i'm trying to lead them towards but as said, because we're dealing with entrepreneurs, they need to come to their conclusions themselves. So those are the kind of ones I sell. They're normally quite funny, uh, but they uh, they can tug on your heartstrings. They can have one hell of a twist. 
yeah um at the end and 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 sometimes a twist is 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 quite tragic and sometimes a twist is quite funny but it uh yeah it's i just i just find it such a wonderful medium to communicate because people hang on your every word especially if 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 you believe in the story as well um well also legacy is an important message as well isn't it you know just focusing on that 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 story you said legacy is really important not many people you don't really think about oh yeah what is going to be my legacy because you're so caught up in whatever's going on in your in your world you don't you don't really stop to think now i'm one of those people that absolutely lives in the moment but also it is it is quite handy just to be able to think a bit further forward in terms of your own goals and and um, and legacy and things and i just wondered what your what your goals are now that you're very you've got an established business i'm i'm in in my region for the long term i want to impact as many as many local businesses um because when we spend money locally it stays in the local community five to seven times so mm-hmm. you know you know this with your business that, that there are national versions of of travel agencies and financial advice arms and and all of that but when you spend money with people locally mm-hmm. and it enhances their life who do they spend it with? They then spend it back in the local community. So, you know, I, I, we're doing well. We're, you know, we're up over 300 members. We're bigger than the region's ever been. Uh, we've got another kind of 80, 90 members sat in, sat in groups that are about to launch. But we're London Southeast. We've got 1.9 million people. You know, there's like 19,000 businesses um, uh, that start every single year in our region. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we just haven't we just haven't scratched the you know scratched the surface of what we can achieve. So, you know, I I want the biggest region in the UK, but not biggest in terms of membership. Biggest in terms of the revenue that we keep. Uh, there's a beautiful business coach in my region who um, who grew up around small businesses that failed, and if you track back her career you'll see that she's aligned herself with organizations that help businesses succeed. So she was part of the Growth Accelerator program uh, for businesses. She was part of a uh, business-to-business referral organization, but not B&I at a totally different different level. And uh, and she's ended up being a business coach. And, and, and her kind of mantra in life is that she wants to help businesses thrive and families survive. Because when a small business fails, it's not just a business that goes under. You know, it's not just a, a one person who gets a parachute payout from from the stocks and the assets and all that kind of stuff. It affects the whole family, and in some cases, you know, multiple families if there are staff involved. So I know that my uh, every member that I've got supports two and a half members of staff on average. You know, and those members of staff have got families and. The more, so I'm in, I'm in my region for a long time because I'm, because I'm putting positive stuff out there, you know, infinite giving, it's a positive book. It's a really positive, but a great story. You know, there's a story in about one, a guy that planted a tree every day for, for 30 years. And, and, you know, there was a photojournalist that was canoeing down this, what he assumed to be polluted barren river. And he comes across this lush tropical jungle with elephants and rhino and, um, and you know vulture and all this just fantastic stuff and it was because one guy decided oh, i'm going to stick a tree in the ground every single day yeah. and he did it for 40 years and the payback for him is that that's become his personal paradise mm. you know that's where he goes to feel 
at one with himself and with nature. And that's what I want in this region. I want, I, I want to every day plant a little bit of positivity with people. And then in 20, 30 years, if I'm still here, you know, we're here for a good time, not a long time, but if I'm still here in, in that time, I want it to be my happy place. You know, I, I want to walk in and see, see businesses who I saw 20 years before as startups yeah. mentoring other businesses that come through. You know, I want to see f- philanthropic activities where, where people don't need the business, but they're yeah. doing it to help others. And we've, we've got people like that already, mm. but we can have so many more. And yeah, I, uh, I want to write another book. I did a presentation called How Will You Feel in 30 Minutes? And it's about helping people overcome avoidance behaviors. Um, and I've got I've got great stories of someone that's lost over five stone in weight and uh, raised over thirty grand for charity and to support um, support the, the widow of, of a friend that he lost. I've got a story of someone that's that's battled alcoholism using my using my technique to overcome avoidance behaviours. But that's a little bit further down the line. I mean, right now my focus is just helping as many local people as I as I possibly can. Yeah, and you know if they're if there's a speaking gig and a book that comes out of it, brilliant. Uh, it was suggested that I'd be a TV presenter the other day because I did the online all piece, but I definitely don't want to do that. There's too <laughs> much hanging around. You have to be too scripted and there's far too much hanging around. So, yeah. You could be like me and just have a face for radio. Yeah, I've de- well, I've definitely got a face for radio. Uh, unfortunately, you've got a voice for radio as well. I sound like a budget Dale Winton. So um, I, I don't. No, I'm not I, denying it. No, no, you, yeah. you haven't really. You haven't really. I don't. I, I don't think I've got the voice for radio either. I mean, what I might have is the body for mime. Well, that I might. Mean, yes. That that might be as far as I go. You know, white face paint, white gloves, and a and a, an all in one black outfit, just miming stuff. I think I might get away with that. But you'd still be able to deliver the message, even if you. Didn't. Yeah. Well, I, I I can take no credit for it. I don't. I, I really don't know where it's where it's come from. Um, I first realized the power of telling a story because of, um, I mean, you'll remember him, um, Andrew Hall. He was the uh, executive director, the guy that owned B&I Sussex. And, you know, he was uh, he, he, he's a very interesting character. I mean, he, he could be a classic stand-up comedian because when you walked on stage, you were like, oh, there's someone who doesn't look like everyone else looks. I mean, he's, he's about six foot four. He's like, you know he, he he's as thin as a rake and when i first met him he had he had like a big tuft of curly hair he was like he was like someone had stretched leo sayer but <laughs> but but when he spoke you listened and he told these wonderful stories and i remember you know i remember just being absolutely transfixed and i saw him present at a conference once and people started crying and I'm like, hang on, this is a story. What, you know, this, and, and these are professional business people. Um, and, it, and he beautifully weaved this narrative around some kind of jokes and some funny stuff. And there were two totally different stories that ended up coming together right at the end into a poignant moment. And to say that you could hear a pin drop in that room is an understatement. And it was, it was at that moment I, I just knew that I needed to, to use stories wherever I could because mm. it, it demonstrates a point. And, you know, uh, I, I have to be, I, I have to, I have to live my principles and, and, and show the gratitude effect to Andrew because he, 
you know, for whatever his reasons, he gave me my first opportunity onto the director team um, in BNI, which which kind of started my BNI professional journey. Um, and he showed me the power of stories. Now, um, I think where where I've got a benefit over some others is that I live that in every aspect of my life. So, yeah, you know, there are some people that will do that on stage in their published books, but they'd never come on the podcast or, or, you know, they'd, I, one of the highlights of my weeks is just spending an hour with a new member. I, d- I did some calls yesterday where, um, because the region's growing, I'm not getting out to groups as much as, a, as much as I used to. And, you know, there are people now that are renewing and I, I wouldn't be able to tell you if I met them on the street, what they, what they look like. Mm. So I've asked my team to recommend people every single month that are doing really good stuff. And I picked up the phone to a couple of brand new members yesterday. And I just said, thank you. I said, look, your name's come across my desk a couple of times. I've heard you're doing really, really good things. You're in a great chapter. So for your name to come up, you, you, you're obviously absolutely smashing it. And I got a message this morning from a guy um, who I had phoned yesterday who just said, your call meant everything to me. He said, I, you know, I had a really tough day. It was going well, it was going good. You know, business is good. He said, but, but after your call, I just smiled for the rest of the day. Oh, and that took me like what 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's the difference between pretending to be positive and why some people think, you know, positivity can come across as false, but that's yeah. only if you don't truly believe it. Like I don't think anyone would ever accuse you of being false, Steve, because you just, you ooze, um positivity and there are people that are kind of you know smarmy and use car salesmen and all that kind of stuff and it's because their positivity is an act Mm. and it will work for a small amount of time but they'll get found out and uh, if you embrace it in every aspect of your life your listeners know this your life's better yeah. It doesn't mean you're more successful or you drive a better car or you live in a house, you know, a bigger house or uh, or your partner's any more attractive than than they than they otherwise would be. But you start to recognize the good stuff that you've got. Like you've had a really reflective six six months or so. And I bet part of that reflection, um, and we haven't discussed this, so you might go, actually, Greg, no, not at all. But I bet <laughs> part of that reflection was making a list. And if, you know, that list may have been physical on paper or it may just have been sitting there on a Sunday listening to the birds and in your mind, making a list of all the great things that you've got, you know, yeah. all of the things, yeah, all of the things that you, you should be grateful for. You know, you know so well. well. Well, it's, well, that's why you're positive because you recognize the good stuff that you've got. And, you know, the, the very best people, and I haven't yet got to this, this is a kind of next stage for me is waking up and having having a morning routine where where I just spend a little bit of time reflecting on all the great stuff that's happened to me. Oh, you should do um, that. Yeah, I did, you know, I really should. And my yeah. problem is I'm, st- you know, I'm 41 years old now, Stephen. I still feel like a teenager. I don't want to get out of bed. Uh, <laughs> you know, I still play Xbox. I still watch Netflix. And, and, and I really don't want to get out of bed. So, it's, uh, so I need to discipline myself. But, you know, I'll just... Um, uh, uh, after, I'll share a personal story. You know, my uh, uh, my wife and I we separated about a year ago, um, and um, you know, I, I could have wallowed as a lot of people do. Uh, 
I certainly could have bought a convertible like a lot of people do. Mm. Um, but I, uh, I've actually, I believe that, that it was one of the best things that happened. And I'm not one of these people saying that will say, Hey, you know, leave your partner. It's going to be amazing. But it was right for both of us. It was right. And we, we may not realize it now, but what's happened because of lockdown is my two girls. I've got two beautiful girls, a 16 year old and a 14 year old daughter, a 16 year old and a 12 year old daughter, uh, Abigail and Jessica. And because of, because of lockdown, uh, that initial period, they became a family unit. They got used to being a family of threes. They were doing ball games at night. And yeah, it was really tough for me. I lived an hour away from them with the people I was staying with. There was a period of three weeks where I actually had to speak to them through the kitchen window because there was a chance of, uh, of COVID infection. Um, and it could have been really easy to do the victim mentality. But actually, even from that situation, you know, my kids are well adjusted. Abigail's going through her mock exams right now, and she's absolutely smashing it. And both of them had amazing school reports, you know. And if there's ever a point where we, where kids are gonna kids are gonna crumble, it's when their parents split. Um, and because of what happened to us in our our life at that stage, that stage, and because we reflect on the positive, I can see that however hard it was, and you know, living in a living with other people and you know, offer kindness of others and all that kind of kind of stuff that happened to me. Mm. It would have been really easy to to reflect that victim mentality. However, I chose to reflect the positive, and the positives are my kids are beautifully well adjusted. They're part of a strong family unit where they know their mum and their dad love them loads. I made sure I spoke to them every single day. Um, and I've got a great relationship with my kids and they've got a great relationship with their mum as well. And even me and, uh, and, and my ex-wife, you know, we can be in the same room. We can make each other a cup of coffee. You know, we can speak to each other. We, we, you know, if I get a phone call during the day, my first from her, my first thing is, are you okay? Are the girls okay? You know, that's what focusing on positive things do, mm. um, rather than focusing on, focusing on negative. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, thanks for sharing that story. I mean, you know, that's amazing. And, um, you know, all credit to you and, and uh, Sam. It was Sam, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, well, I, I am sorry to hear that. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear the news, but, um, equally, you know, you made a, a very positive out of a, what could have been a very negative, you know, situation. As, as have you. I mean, look at, you know, look at you. you uh, so you had Citrus Travel, which is still there. It's still still operating and, and will be the global force it once was, once people go back on holiday. But you've, um, so you say pivoted. I, I say total change in direction. You're helping people. <laughs> you're helping people leave their legacy. That's what you're doing, whether you realize it or not. You yes, know, they're planning yes. for their future and they're leaving their legacy. Absolutely. And you're doing this. You know, there'll be people that listen to this. Uh, and you may not realize it, but it'll have an impact on them for, you know, one year, five year, 10 years to come because they'll pick something up from one of your guests. It won't be me, but they'll pick something up from one of your guests and they'll put it into play in their life and it'll have a positive impact. And they may never even realize mm. that this is where it came from. But b because you clicked a button, you know, clicked a button on a laptop one day and decided, right, I'm, I'm going to do a podcast you've positively impacted people and, and, you know, and you should be really proud of what you've achieved because it is brilliant. 
Well, thank you, thank you. Uh, no, I, I hope so. And uh, that was that was the intention, really. It was it was nothing. There was no no sort of shallow selfishness. Anything. It was nothing. Nothing to do with making any money or anything like that. But um, no. But thank you very much. Um, I guess just to kind of close. I know we've talked about it a little bit, and you mentioned storytelling and and things. But is that one of the reasons why you think you're sort of on this green and pleasant land is that is that your big purpose in life to have a positive effect on as many people as you possibly can it's a real tough one isn't it i think i think if we, if we knew the answer to that we, we we would all be um would all be certainly be more focused you know when i when i grew up i i was convinced i wanted to be in the raf and then at the age of 14 i was convinced i i was going to be the drummer in the next version of the Beatles and you're a good drummer uh, as well aren't you uh, I, well I can drum I wouldn't say I'm a good drummer but I, I, but I definitely can drum and then and then I was kind of stumbled into small business so you know you alluded to it I had a signage company as a lot of small businesses do it went for a rough patch and that that was due to family relations as well and I've kind of I've stumbled into what I can only describe as the perfect job for me my whole success cannot happen unless other people are successful first. So I'm not driven by money. That's that. That's a big factor for me. I'm not driven by money. I'm not driven by material possessions. I'm driven by recognition and, and, and not recognition of me, recognition of others. Mm. And, you know, I love, I just love seeing people's faces when, when you recognize the fact that they've done something well. If, if, I, if I can inspire people along the way, to take action because there's a big difference between inspiration and motivation. You know, I could put a pit bull behind you and you'll be motivated to run faster. But once the, the pit bull was, uh, you know, found the string of sausages, you're going to stop. Whereas if I inspire you to understand why running is great for you, your mindset, your health, your, your longevity, the fact you're going to be around your, fi- your family, when it's 4 a.m. And, and peeing down with rain, you're going to have that inspiration to go out and run. And that's the big difference. I want to inspire people to do the correct things in their life. And, and I believe the correct things are being kind to others, embracing infinite giving, embracing givers gain. And like you're an absolute champion for this cause, choosing to be positive whenever you can. And I'll go right back to what I said at the beginning. Positivity is a choice. In every situation, you could choose to be dour and negative or you can choose to be positive and the more of us that take the positive road the better this world will be absolutely mate that's incredible thank you so much for your time um you know i think that's the perfect place to end uh our chat it's not going to be the last chat either i don't think i think we've got quite a lot to talk about which would be really good really good luck with the book Uh, i'm so proud of you mate it's it's a really fantastic book everybody go and buy the book infinite giving you know really well done on that and i wish you every success thank you very much and thanks for doing what you're doing this is this is brilliant it's absolutely brilliant you should you should be proud of yourself mate thank you craig you take care buddy cheers then bye oh what a lovely chat that was with greg thanks so much Uh, You can buy his book, Infinite Giving, on Amazon. And don't forget to subscribe and review the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Keep telling those stories just like Greg does. Take care, everyone.